Have you ever dreamed of opening a store? Welcome to the Retail Darwin podcast, where we're exploring the evolution of retail alongside industry thought leaders, experts, and partners. From WS Development, I'm Taylor West, here alongside my co-host, Karina Donoso and our producer, Ryan Miller. This special edition series accompanies the Retail Darwin's visual activation at the pop-up incubation project, The Current, in the heart of Boston's seaport. The visual activation outlines nine key steps on how to open a store. In this special podcast series, we're joined by our peers here at WS Development that specialize in each topic, and we hope you'll find inspiration within these conversations. And if you've ever dreamed of opening a store, we want to hear all about it. DM us on Instagram at The Retail Darwin to learn about pop-up opportunities at our project, The Current. Visual merchandising is a crucial factor in adding value to your brand and gaining a competitive advantage in the marketplace. Your store should create a sensory experience and stimulate your customers' senses through lighting, music, scents, digital touch points, and most importantly, your product displays. In episode four of this special series, Ever Dreamed of Opening a Store, we will be learning critical factors of what to consider for inventory and merchandising with my teammates from WS Development's Retail Experience and Incubation Team, Brittany Belgrave-Seely and Karina Donoso. Welcome, guys. Hello. Hi. Go team, go. This is very exciting. I know. I'm so excited. Ryan, how does it feel to be in a room with such energy? I just love it here, guys. (laughs) There's no, no place I'd rather be. I right bet. Here. I bet. There's I bet. no place like home. Yeah. All right. So I want to kick us off um, with a question for Karina. So in this environment, it seems like every day we hear about supply chain issues in the news, not only in retail, but I'm really interested to hear your take on how the buying process has differed from pre-COVID times. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely speak to that when it comes to ready-to-wear buying. Um, you know, it's it's... Years ago, you really needed to make appointments, have set minimums, ask for line sheets. There were so many different options where buyers had the ability to book showroom appointments or even order off of websites like Jure. And you definitely need to have um, minimums. And right now, being that, um, you know, brands are really open to expanding their footprint where they weren't as... um, you know, they were a little bit more particular about the people and stores that they wanted to be affiliated with. I think now they're sort of looking at all opportunities and not thinking so much about radius restrictions. I think radius restrictions come down to retailers saying, hey, I don't want to be around another store that has this brand, certain mileage from where my store is. And I do think that then brands are considering that and they're they're super knowledgeable of that information. They're taking it into consideration. But all in all, I think that as a brand, they're opening their wholesale market much, much wider than they were in the past. Um, and they're being a little bit more nimble about their buys. However, I think that retailers need to be prepared to pay up front. Like what you buy is what you order. Whereas in the past, it sort of was like, yeah, I'm going to set this, like, I'm going to make an order. The brand would make it. You'd get a call and say, your order's ready, like ready for payment. Where you know, brands can't take that risk anymore. They Mm -hmm. actually need to be seeing payment up front to create the inventory. So that shift in sort of planning is definitely more important. So you can't just go to your buy and sort of, you know, just 
you, you really need to come more, I guess I'm, what I'm trying to say is you need to come more prepared than ever with an open to buy budget because what you're willing to order needs to be placed on demand. And we're seeing a lot of that um, on the brand side just because of, again, the expenses and then also the supply chain issues. Um, so being really prepared for your buy is, is more crucial than ever and, and your buying budget. Um, so minimums are, I think, not as um, severe as they were, but just making sure that they have a good, you know, again, budget in place to, to put those buys up front is, is really important. The other thing that we're seeing a big change in is um, immediate access to inventory, where there used to be a lot of um, available inventory in the middle of the season that brands used to have in stock. And that's not as heavy as it used to be, where brands aren't making this excessive amount of inventory as they were before. So as a retailer, you have to be really, really smart about your planning because where you, most retailers would love to have new deliveries every week, every two weeks, because it keeps it fresh for your clients. Whereas now you have to be really smart about that. And, you know, brands are basically saying, here's a delivery for this amount of period but you have to really buy for that and commit to it. And you're not going to then have an opportunity to go back and say, Hey, you know, you know, Mother Denim, for instance, do you have any available inventory in stock? That's fewer and far between as it used to be. It's it's not that some brands don't have it at all, but it's just not as great as we'd seen it in the past. Yeah, that's super interesting. It also makes me think of like the idea of like scarcity and yeah. drops and how that actually could almost create an environment that's even more exciting and driving from those factors. Like it might not be a total, total miss, just a new territory. Um, so Britt, I want to talk a little more about, you know, we talk about the buy and now I want to talk about it in the store. How does it show up? So I guess say a retailer has now completed their buying for opening with Karina's advice. Um, how do you suggest they tackle merchandising? Like, do you have any foolproof tips or anything that, um, you can suggest that gets them started on the right foot? Yeah, I think when you're going about merchandising your store, the goal always should be that it should be inviting and reflective of your brand. And I think to do that, we've kind of come up with this, it's not foolproof, but a method of dividing and conquering. So you start with your mood, then you have your plans, and then any kind of additional prep to make or execute the store um, based on the two visions you've created. So your mood is very much the look, the feel, and the overall vibe of your space. And I think one of the best tools we've seen and we always implement for our, our tenants is creating a mood board to, to mm -hmm. kind of help you guide through that process and allow you an opportunity to create an aesthetic. And, and that could be anything from like a, a picture of an art piece or a picture of a piece of clothing or a vase, anything that you feel you connect to, and then narrowing that down to a specific style or aesthetic you want to come across. Um, and I think also, like, a mood board doesn't necessarily have to just be pictures. It could also be music. I think right. you can get really creative about how you go about um, – describing or putting this feel towards others once you know how your store should feel the next step is to create a plan and there are two different kinds of plans one of them is a space plan which helps you place fixtures around your store it's really going to be your guiding principle for being able to say okay when I walk into my store how does it operate how does it function how does the shopper move through that experience and then as you're kind of going through that there's like those tips and tricks you learn when you are in this world, which is like how to guide a customer through a space or, you know, where to put the items that just came in your store. All of those things are what you should take into account when thinking about your space plan, because it's like 
how does your customer best engage with those pieces? And then on the flip side, there's the planogram, which is your um, plan for your actual pieces. Like, where do they your go? Your merchandise? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that when you're thinking about that, it's it's very much about making sure there's a flow. I think one of the key tips that we always tell people is like, try to see if you can create outfits as you're kind of going through it, because it helps the customer visualize what these pieces look like on themselves, but also like, you know, with their own items. A lot of the times you can take a top and then put a pair of jeans behind it as you're kind of going through the merch. And then it's like, I already have those pants, so I absolutely need this shirt. Or even thinking about um, outside of clothing, like home decor, how are these items all playing together? How do you create this aesthetic or this feel that makes your customers believe that they should take these pieces home with them and be a part of their own lives and experiences? It's such a good point. I mean, one of the things that we also always preach to tenants is, you guys know what I'm going to say, right? The hot table. Yeah. It's like such a big thing, but like every key, like every store needs to have the hot table, which... For everyone listening, if you don't have a hot table, you probably have one. You don't even know it's so hot, but it's the it's you're put, you're putting all of the hottest new merch on this table to display a story of the key new inventory items. And you know, as Britt was sort of describing, it's how your how the merchandise is playing off of each other is really a story of how the the retailers wanting you to shop these goods and use them within your life so you're trying to find inspiration through the merchandising and the visualization of how these products look and feel so it's supposed to transform this into an aspirational uh, vision of oh this vase would look great in my house because I sort of have it set up the same way this store has it set up or oh my god these jeans I have a pair of shoes that's very similar to this denim that I like need to have and so with that outfitting that Britt's talking about it's so crucial when you're telling a story about the product in which you're setting up your store because without that story then it just looks like a big old mess and uh, in addition to that it's also like from a business standpoint you make more money totally if you you are getting (laughs) your customers to buy more and they're really feeling connected you will ultimately have a bigger uh, you will meet your goals like whatever it is yeah. that your brackets are like yeah the, and that's the whole point of you having that store at the end of the day you're still a business so you have to be mindful of those things that's really interesting it, you're kind of getting that the the opportunity in merchandising is an opportunity in upselling totally totally yeah, yeah the, the other thing to consider is the margins you know product is all when retailers are creating their their inventory, they have to think about their margins and they have to think about their sell-through. So there are strategic ways in which product is placed so that it is helping enforce that upsell. So for Mm -hmm. instance, when you shop in Sephora and you have all the small items at the checkout line and they're all very enticing and that shampoo bottle, oh, it's small and it's like $11, but really it costs them two. So like, and that's really, they're getting so much off of that little shampoo bottle. And that's why those are sort of given because they're these last minute items and they have the most, the highest margins on them. So you, if you're looking, you know, at small pieces that are near the cash wrap or these last minute items, they're strategically put there because customer retailers know, or if you don't, you, I hope you're learning about this right now, that you implement them in your merchandising strategy to help with that sell through. Yeah. Yeah, I think that another great point that Karina is bringing up about the whole sell-through aspect is is just very much like you want to finish, create this entirety of a look. So let's go back to Sephora. Let's say you're walking through their store and you're like, oh, I have to get um, 
an eyeshadow palette or an eyeliner brow. So you're just going in for that one thing. You're making your way through. You're like, oh my gosh, maybe I really need makeup remover or a setting spray. Like, <laughs> how do you? Because your your mind is already thinking about what it is you went in the store to purchase. So really and truly, these little aspects, while to certain people they might be like, oh, that's so interesting. It's it's all a strategic play to help make sure that your store is successful. Right. Yeah. That actually reminds me one of the first ways I was explained this years ago was through the grocery store. So, you know, the milk, the bread, the eggs, they're always at the way back and you actually have to navigate your way because you're driven to go get those basic necessities Mm -hmm. and you're, you're walking through all these new exciting products and things and you have such opportunity to, to actually pick them up and explore and, and find new stuff as well. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think that brings us to the best question for last. Um, As we usually do on this series, we're saving our icebreaker fun question for the last bit. Um, So Ryan, (laughs) Ryan has a secret question that I don't think any of us have been made aware of yet. (laughs) So we're very excited. Ryan, take it away. First of all, the eggs and the milk and the stuff. It's so weird. It's in the back of Stop and Shop in the furthest corner away. Yeah. <laughs> Never realized that. It's I'm, strategic. I'm yeah. always yeah. frustrated. I'm like, oh, I got to go all the way. But, but that's not because of margins. That's because they want you to yeah, go into the depths. Yeah, it's a necessity. So they're it's basically. Like the farthest corner of Stop and so Shop. Yeah. annoying. Especially now that my daughter's on milk. I'm like, oh, I got to go so yeah, far. Yeah. Oh, God. All right. So the question, and um, yes, hello. The question, I, I have two questions, okay? Wow. All right. Now we can choose them, but I, I need to know: Do you have a significant other right now? No. Okay, I'm not. I'm gonna skip that question. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I can still answer. I'm now intrigued. Okay. Okay. So the question is, and if we don't like this, we'll go to the other one too. Okay. Um, the question <laughs> is: What shows do you binge watch? Will you binge watch with your significant other? Ooh. And then what show will you only binge watch by yourself? Oh, this is easy. All right. Go ahead. This is a great question, and Britt, you can totally answer. I, yeah. I know you have an answer. <laughs> All right, Karina, you go first, because, oh, okay. oh, you need time? Well, no, I guess I just, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so a show that I would binge watch with my husband, and we've watched it, I've watched it several times, it's a series, and I recommend everyone that's listening, if you haven't yet, then you should totally binge watch Lost with your significant other. Oh, wow. Done it twice. Wow. One, twice? Yeah. Well, it's an old show, and we've been together for too long. So <laughs> the first time was like when it was live on television, and then the second time was during the pandemic. It was a good repeat. And then what I watch by myself is The Housewives. Oh. Or Fantastic. like the Kardashians. I don't want anybody to see me or know that I, I mean, I'm happy that people know that I watch it, but like watching me watch it, I, I my face is doing so many different things. That's amazing. All right, um, I'll go next. Okay. So I uh, recently started watching Succession oh. with Tucker. Shout out Tucker. And that's really fun. Um, the show that I have to watch alone, definitely any housewives but also like summer house and it's <laughs> but, but it's not because i'm like i don't want anybody to see like anything it's more like i need to focus oh absolutely <laughs> like this yeah. is my football what is, what is summer house? i know summer I house know. is like all these kids from uh, it's like the real young world. adults yeah. it's oh. like people who are a little bit older than me i know a lot of them through other people so i feel like more connected to it 
Um, but they like go out to the Hamptons every weekend and do a share house and they like have drama and they date each other. And it's just like, it's a reality show, but mm-hmm. I feel connected to it. It's the modern day real world. Madness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's fine. But I'm like so into it that I just no distractions. That's why I need to be alone. That, okay. That's why I need to be alone for the housewife. Okay. Like I, I don't, it's, it's like, I, it's not about the judgment. I really need to focus because there's so much happening. I even have subtitles sometimes. Yeah. Oh, I'm especially. Like, <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm like, what did Dorinda say? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, no, subtitles like, are key. They're key for everything. Movies. TV, doesn't matter. I'm dyslexic, so sometimes I need to retain information that way. Hear it, see it, that's, yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say the show that I watch by myself, I I think my answer is going to be very similar. It has nothing to do with embarrassment as much as it is I do not want anyone to talk to me. I just want to watch my show <laughs> yeah. and be done. I don't want to hear your opinions. I don't want to hear anything. And mine's super old. It's charmed. I've seen that every <laughs> single episode multiple times. Multiple times. And I binge watch it religiously. Every time it comes back on Netflix, you will catch me rewatching it. I think it's fantastic. Wait, what is this about? Witches? Yeah. Yes. Have you seen the <laughs> the OG craft? Yes, I have also seen the OG. I, I mean, I love it. I love it. I think it's all amazing. And I've seen everything and I cry every time. Spoiler alert, guys. I cry every time Prue gets killed off. I don't I don't care how many times I've seen it. I'm so crying funny. regardless. And I think the shows that I watch with my significant others when I think about my past, they're always shows that I think that they like would not would feel embarrassed to watch by themselves. Like one of my exes loves Jane, um, Jane the Virgin, loves it, loves it. Watch every episode with him and he talks through the whole thing, gets really wrapped up in Jane's life. It's like, oh my God, what's going on? Is she gonna stay with him? Is she gonna leave? It's a whole thing. They all have these weird little like shows that they- I think there's a lot of truth to that. They, they yeah, that they just would like, yeah. you know. I definitely went through a 90 day fiance phase. <laughs> With Tucker? Yeah. yeah. No, COVID. Yeah. COVID does crazy things. It's True. not COVID. They're all like that secretly. Okay, swear to God. He, he'll kill me for saying this, but I got Richie to watch Gossip Girl with me. Did he love it? Oh, oh yeah. He'll always be so like, into it. He'll always say, does well, he Blake. Like pause when he goes to the bathroom? Oh, yeah. Right and Blake Lively showed up on Sesame Street and he was like, was she from Gossip Girl? And I was like, yes. That's amazing. I think he loved it because they were like pretty girls. But like, I also think that he loved, oh, who was that? No, men love drama. I really believe that that's, that's. Brian. Yeah. So, you know, obviously I've been to watch a lot of shows with my wife. We've been married for almost 10 years. Shout out Kim. Woo! Uh, yeah. Go Kim, go. Kim, Kim. Yeah. <laughs> she, so the, the one we most recently binge watched and. Thank you, Taylor. She's the one who told me about it. it was Yellowstone? <gasps> we, we, we binge watched it. it That's was, a it was amazing. great show. I haven't um, seen it. We watched that too. But but shows that um that we always just go back to like when we're, we we sleep with the TV on. But the show that we always put on is Psych. Do you guys know the show? Love oh. Psych. Oh my god. Love Psych. You know that you're a Anyways. Even the kids know the song, the theme song. Wait, anyway. what, what channel is it on? Like what? Um, Amazon know. Prime. It's that's a, where yeah, it is right Prime. now, and yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. currently watching it. So shout nice. out to Ryan. Like we'll just go through like seasons and just be like, all right, just put it on. Mm-hmm. We, it'll just play all I night know. long. Like we're, you we're know, sleeping. Then I'm not telling the, the truth. truth. Yeah, exactly. I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're, we're got it. Um, and then so a show that I watch by myself that my wife always like walks in. And she says, I can't believe you're watching this. <laughs> like she, I don't know why she's just not into it at all. Um, is the challenge. 
from 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 the real world. <laughs> <laughs> Every challenge from the real world. I'll just I'll just my I'll just sister's watch. husband watches it too. I, I don't have MTV, but I if I did, I'd still watch the Jersey Shore. It's on with Paramount. Richie. You can watch all of them now on Paramount Plus, I think. Or oh. Paramount, yeah. And so and she's always like she she doesn't like the the drama. It makes her uncomfortable. All right, thank you so much, you guys, for joining. This has been amazing, and I will see you in our next meeting. Thanks for having us.